Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for Football Asia with Paul Williams. Yes, we round out the show as usual with Football Asia with Paul Williams of the Asian Game Podcast. Stevening Paolo. Hey, Paul. Simon, Alex, how are you going, guys? Very good, good. very good. Let's uh, start with the AFF Mitsubishi Electric Cup. I don't know why that makes me smile, that name, but it just does. It doesn't roll <laughs> off the tongue the same way as the <laughs> AFF Suzuki Cup. Uh, Thailand have shocked Vietnam, I guess you could say, to win their fourth trophy in five years, and, uh, and not really the way that the Vietnamese coach Park Hang So wanted to go out. And they were the hot favourites, weren't they, for this tournament? They were, particularly going in, because... They essentially had a full strength squad where there were a couple of nation nations, Thailand amongst them, that essentially went in with B squads. Thailand were one, Malaysia were another. But I guess it just shows the strength of Thai football that they went there with what was essentially um, their their B squad. There was probably six or seven almost walk up starters in their their first team that uh, that weren't participating, and yet they still were clearly the best team in this tournament. Up until the final, Vietnam hadn't conceded a goal, but they hadn't probably come up against a challenge like Thailand before. And what was interesting was up until that point, Teresin Dungda had been in imperious form, six goals in in six games, and it almost looked like he had the the MVP award wrapped up, but just picked up a, a little bit of a niggle uh, in the uh, the second leg of the semifinal, and he didn't actually play in any uh, of the the first or second legs of the final. But Thailand didn't need him in the end, and it was it was the old guard that really did it. It was Tiratin throughout, but Tiratin um, Tiraton Bumatan. Um, was just sensational throughout. And his goal in the, the second leg last night, an absolute pole driver from outside the box on his right foot, no less, um, sealed the deal. Um, and and Thailand just continued to roll on under Mano Polking. The, the challenge for them now is to take this form that, that's shown in a regional context, continue that form over the next 12 months and try and really do something at the Asian Cup next year. Mm. And all that without Shanatip as well. Um, so the next AFF Cup is in 24-25. Uh, so I guess the question is, should or even could Australia take part with an A-League-based squad? It's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, but I guess it's not ideal timing given that it falls smack bang in the middle of the A-League season. Mm. Yeah, I, I think there's certainly a willingness, I think, on behalf of the FA that they want to participate in this t- tournament the challenge is how do you make that happen because it does fall outside the FIFA window so it's going to have to be a domestic based squad because there's next to no chance you're going to get players coming back from their clubs in Europe to participate but then you've got the challenge of trying to you know talk to the A-League owners about releasing their players outside of FIFA windows as well so the logistics of making it happen I think is what's prevented it from happening up until this point, but I think there's a willingness from both sides. I think it would be fantastic for the tournament as well to have Australia involved. I think it'd be great for Australia to be involved because it's essentially going to be, as I said, a domestic squad. So, you know, you're talking second, third string players who are going to get great international exposure if mm. they go 
playing in Malaysia or playing in Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, wherever that may be, that international exposure is important for their development as well. So there's a lot of reasons that Australia should take part. It's it's about how you make that happen. That's the challenge. And I guess they've got a couple of years to try and figure that out. Um, but it would be great to see. And Paul, over to the Golf Cup. Um, the final takes place uh, on Friday, very early morning, our time. Oman and uh, and the host Iraq are through to that final. Uh, with, with the new coach of Iraq, I mean, they've always had one of the most talented, been one of the most talented nations in Asia, given us a few uh, uh, big matches over the years. They've certainly taken to their, their new coach, four wins and a draw from their first five. Uh, can this propel, you know, if a, a good victory in this uh, in this final can it propel the Iraqis forward under their new coach that's certainly what they'll be hoping for because they've looked really good so far and home nations generally tend to to do well in these kinds of tournaments but Iraq's been in the doldrums for a couple of years now they've they've tried big name managers they had Dick Advocat come in that didn't work out that ended in disaster really and they've gone to the other end of the spectrum they've got a, a Spaniard in Jesus Casas who's really an unheralded um, Spanish coach doesn't have much of a pedigree or much of a CV at all but he's come in and seems to really galvanized this squad and there's such great momentum now around Iraqi football because we touched on it last week, just what this tournament has been able to do for Iraqi football. We're seeing full stadiums pretty much every match. There was a full stadium three hours before their semi-final match against Qatar last night. The The atmosphere in and around Basra, in and around Iraq for this tournament, the excitement that it has generated, um, it, it, it's it's incredible what, had, what it's done for Iraqi football. And now, as you said, that challenge is to now use this as as momentum leading up to the Asian cup next year and really kick on over the next four year cycle, because, you know, there's eight spots up for grabs at the next world cup. There's no reason that Iraq shouldn't be one of those eight nations. I think it was, you know, they've only made one world cup appearance, which was in 1986. I think it was back in, in Mexico. It's, it's too long for a nation like Iraq and it would be great to see them now build on this and, and go through. And they'd probably go into that match now as favorites because given the momentum behind them, given the home crowd factor, given how they're playing such uh, uh, such an attacking style of football as well, um, they go into this match as favorites. Well, I guess that all leads on to the next obvious question, given that they've hosted this tournament so well. Is it time for FIFA to end the ban on playing World Cup qualifiers in Iraq? And I'm going to play devil's advocate here just for a moment and ask you a question, Paolo. I guess for, you know, if Iraq plays Saudi Arabia or Bahrain in a World Cup qualifier, that's, that's a little bit different to Iraq hosting, let's say, Australia in, in a World Cup mm. qualifier. Would Australia feel comfortable going there given let's be honest we were part of the coalition of the willing that fought the iraq war uh, a few years ago there, there are security questions that i guess would need to be answered before that ban was was lifted what, what's your take on it you know more about it than we do obviously yeah and let's not forget it was the young socceroos or the joeys that were drawn to play some Asian Cup qualifiers in Iraq recently. And Football Australia actually pulled out of, of that qualifying tournament for security reasons. In the end, the, the actual group was moved to Kuwait. I think it was the young Socceroos. So that, uh, and in the end, Australia was able to participate. So it does 
there there are challenges and there are security risks and that has to be you know put into um put into context as well but we've seen iraq now consistently over the last few years host you know um non-competitive matches they've played a number of friendlies they've now hosted a, a major tournament like the golf cup and everything that comes from from hosting a tournament and with you know multiple teams it's one thing to fly one team in for a friendly but to have you know seven or eight teams all come in um from different parts of the region presents its own security challenges as well and the tournament has gone off without a hitch you know from an organization perspective I think the the time has come. I think Iraq has proven themselves willing and capable of being able to host international matches. There's certainly parts of the country where that isn't going to be possible, but there are places like Basra, which has shown time and time again that it is safe to hold matches there. As you said, that it's the context of depending on who the opponent is is going to be that throws up you know different challenges but um i i think that the time has come the iraqi people are crying out for it and um i i don't know what else they could possibly do to to prove to fifa that uh, that they're ready and the uae paul i mean supr- very surprising results winless at the golf cup for the first time i, I think since 2004 where are they at at the moment mm. not in a good place to be perfectly honest the fact that they made it through to the playoffs for the World Cup last year against Australia probably papered over some some pretty big cracks because they've gone backwards pretty much ever since that semi-final um, in in the Asian Cup in in 2015, and they're in a pretty dark spot at the moment. As you said, winless at the Golf Cup for the first time since 2000. And for I'm, I'm writing an article for for the Asian Games, so a little bit of a plug for that. But I, I spoke to the former um, Federation President Yusuf Al Sakal um, the other week and uh, the other day, I should say, um, and he said that this is the worst state that he's ever seen Emirati football in, and he's been involved for you know over 30 years, going back to when they did qualify for the World Cup in 1919. He says this is the worst he's ever seen Emirati football. So that says something about where they're at at the moment. I don't know how they get themselves out of it. They they need someone to come in as some strong leadership, some strong vision, some strong direction, because I think they're lacking all of that in all aspects of their football. Mm. Uh, just a final question, Paolo, quick one. Uh, FIFA Club World Cup, of course, is coming up in Morocco. Always a good chance for Asian football to test itself against the world's best. Uh, Al-Halal are the AFC reps. They play Wydad Casablanca in their first game and then Flamengo of Brazil if they get through. Uh, how will they go, do you think? Be really interesting. They've got they've got a good squad. They've got a number of injuries that um, that are hurting them. As we, we know, a couple of the players from the World Cup, um, you know, Salman Al Farage is still out injured. Yasser Al Sharani, who copped that big knock in that win over Argentina, they're both still out injured. Both key players, so they're they're slightly undermanned going into that one. That that game against uh, Widad Casablanca in Morocco is going to be you know pretty special because we saw what the Moroccan fans were like at the World Cup and we know what the Al-Halal fans are like as well. So that occasion is going to be pretty special. They're going to be up against it against Casablanca, but hey, why not? It, we, we know Al-Halal are, are one of the, the biggest teams in Asia, so they're a good representative for Asia to have to to go and, and, and pit themselves on the world stage. They'll, they'll find it difficult, but in a one-off game, anything can happen. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Paolo. We'll uh, speak to you next week, mate. See you, Paul. Cheers, guys. That's uh, Paul Williams of the Asian Game Podcast.